Jesus brings emotional healing in many ways, and he won't fail, and he won't fail me now. Again, this is a participation sport coming to church, so I hope you have a pen and a paper because we're going to be doing an emotional healing exercise where we're going to invite Jesus to address a lie that we may have from a memory linked to a wound. What has happened to you is like a kick in the gut by a horse. Boy, I was surprised. I had just told a mentor that my dad had passed away. And this is what he said. You know, when my folks passed away, the first time I rushed through it and I suffered for it. The second time I took my time, I did the emotional work. I let the emotions come and go and they did. And I came out of that energized and with a great understanding of the role of death. And you know what? My own experience was a three-week vacation from a very busy time and a project. And I can say that I have an amazing memory. It was one of the coolest times of my life when my father passed away. What then is emotional healing. It is linked to three realities that we need to understand and unpack. Number one, trauma. Number two, emotions. And number three, affection, and particularly the affection of Jesus. Trauma. Have you ever had this experience? You look in your rearview mirror, and you know the impact is coming, and bang! You get hit from behind. I don't know if you've ever had that, if you've been in some kind of a car wreck. Uh, But what happened for me when that happened was the next number of days, my mind would just go back to that event, go back to that event. And what was happening was my mind and my body were trying to make sense together of what happened. Now, if you cannot make sense, there can be long-term reactions, including unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, and even physical symptoms like headaches and nausea from trauma. And guess what? Often in childhood, when we were shamed for not being enough, we were shut down for being too much, or we were neglected because we felt unimportant, those things too can leave a trauma mark where even days later and months and now years later, we are trying to make sense of what happened. So that's trauma. What about emotion? Emotion comes from the Latin word emote, which comes from the view of movement, even irritation. And they're also called feelings because you first feel emotions in your body. It can be fear or anger or sadness or joy. Everyone has a different feeling or disgust. You know, this feeling like, ugh. And if we cut off 
our experience of the unpleasant emotions, says researcher Brene Brown, we also end up cutting off our experiences of the pleasant ones. So it's very important. Our emotions are normal. They're natural. They're good. All of them are gift. And God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And Genesis 1.26, he has emotions, and he has made us with emotions. The Lord is near. I remember the day that Claire and I were visiting my elderly grandmother who went through a horrific abandonment as a child, a rape during her teen years, and in her young adult and adult years, death of three children. And our question was, Grandma, would you change anything in your life? She had short answers. Nothing. Did you ever distrust God? Never. What gave you such strong faith? Trouble. Man, you know, this is so true. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's not like we get a a no-pain card when we are born as humans or when we become followers of Jesus. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. I can put my faith in Jesus. He won't fail. He won't. He won't. He won't. Which means we need to understand a word, affection. Affection is what happens when I get to hang out in a hammock with my grandson, Ezra. Man, it's a place of safety. It's a place of reassurance. It's a place where he's never too much. It's a place he's always wanted. And this affection is greater than acceptance. It's a delight. Jack Deere says this, the biggest problem in the church today is Christians do not feel the affection of Jesus. How many of you can say, you know what? I have trouble of feeling the affection of Jesus. Yeah. Why? What's going on there? Especially when we sing songs like we were beggars and now we're royalty. Or we hear theologians like J.I. Packer say, if you want to think straight about God, the Bible has three images of God. He is good shepherd. He is good parent. He is good king. And in every one of those cases, it's the responsibility and what the one above does, he takes care of us below the citizen, the sheep, the child. So why is this problem of experiencing the affection of Jesus? My sincere prayer is that today we will do an exercise where you and I will feel the affection of Jesus. Is that too much to ask? 
You know, Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, I call you friends. John 15, 15. There is not a single thing that my heavenly father gave to me that I have not downloaded to you. Can't that be available for me, Lord? So what is the way to access the affection of Jesus and with that experience emotional healing? I want to highlight four emotional healing needs. Jesus is involved in each one of these. One is he brings self-awareness. Number two, he creates safe places. Number three is he gives us excessive gentleness towards ourselves. And number four, he uproots the lies that have planted. Let's go through those four things. Number one, you need self-awareness. Remember the line that Jesus said? He said, I didn't come for the well. I came for those that needed a doctor. Do I need a doctor? Ephesians 3.20 has this, and I think it's a powerful verse. And it should be experiential. It says, now to him who is able to do more than we could ask or imagine or think, according to his power that is work within us, gently working within us, to his glory for all generations, I'm going to do something. And Paul prays and he says, I want you to know the affection of Jesus. And I want you to know that I want to, he wants to fill you to the fullness of God. Wow! That ought to be experiential. Well, here is what happened last week. You know, it was so super cool how safe and how honest last Sunday was. Remember how we looked at Ian? Ian, by the way, is a pseudonym, and he gave us permission to share his story. And on the outside, what is Ian saying? He said, I want you to see me as a thug, as strong, as brave, as confident, as smart, as cool. But what's on the inside? You know? I never, ever knew my dad. I'm fatherless. In fact, I'm unimportant. I wasn't supposed to be born. I'm a mistake. That's what's going on on the inside. Behind us is a word cloud of the 140 responses from last Sunday. And I just want to highlight A few of the big words, unworthy, not enough, I feel inadequate, I feel alone, I feel afraid, 
I'm anxious. I'm a failure. How do we make sense of these words? Let's take the word unworthy, for example. I remember reading a book called Mentoring Leaders by Carson Pugh in which he shares this story. One of the people in the program, and this was for young pastors and leaders in North America, they started to get underneath his mask and all of a sudden he was in tears. And he said, I remember the day in junior high, I, I, I was so in love and I had a crush on this particular young girl and I remember walking in the hall towards her and I was looking at her what are you staring at you geek he said ever since that moment I've been a 12 year old boy I haven't been able to get over that experience what about alone the prayer exercise that we're going to do a little later. About a 65-year-old man did that exercise. He remembers when he was eight years old. By the way, I just got a brain check. He was six foot five. He wasn't 65 years old. Six foot five. Big guy, testosterone. And all of a sudden he's crying. He said, I remember the day that my dad, my dad said, come with me in the pickup, parked in the back alley. He said, I'm just going to step into the bar for a little while. And I was there till nine, till 10, till 11, till 12. That's the memory of being alone. So these things, these stories can drive how we live. I wish I had time to tell you how I became a people pleaser, a perfectionist, through a licking that I got. Because I started on page three instead of page one on a story because I wanted to get to the end of the story so that I could hear, I could participate. But that horrific licking has made me always feel like I have to start on page one on everything that I do. And yeah, authority figures are scary, which means me in my 60s, to be honest... I look how I've related recently to people in authority figures, and I haven't viewed them just as human. I viewed them as scary. It's so cool when we can get underneath the iceberg and see those things, and then out of that, start to change. I was with someone on the phone yesterday and he was telling me about and he used this line he'd been chatting with a pastor and this pastor said you know my character flaws i thought that god would just zap them and they would be gone (laughs) it doesn't work that way does it 
Uh, I remember the day a counselor put U-I-C-I-C-C-U-C on a paper. Yeah, it was my issues, and I was there because I wanted my relationship with Claire to be better. And he said, James, you're going to need to go from unconsciously incompetent to consciously incompetent. And that is going to be a very difficult step. But if you don't get unconscious, if you don't get consciously com- incompetent, you won't be able to do the hard work to get consciously competent. And you know what? In time, if you do the work, you're going to be unconsciously competent. It's always better to head to the simplicity after the complexity rather than going back to the simplicity we had before. So number one, we need self-awareness. Number two, we need safe places. You've probably heard this. Healthy fishy, toxic stream. What happens to healthy fishy? gets unhealthy. This is massive because churches have cultures, schools have cultures, families have cultures, and if we do not have a culture of safety, we will continually to be we will continue to be emotionally unwell. And you know, you can look at a particular place, okay? So, let's say a church. And all of a sudden you realize, huh, there's a lot of marriages falling apart in this place. There's things that are happening at the leadership level behind the scenes that are, are, are totally unhealthy. I remember in our, in our research, All of a sudden, a young gal was crying on the other end of the phone. The research, the researcher said, can can you go to those tears? Would you be, she said, you're going to be the first one to hear this story since it happened. My husband was a youth pastor. And great stuff was happening in the church. In fact, a bunch of the community kids were coming, but the elders got nervous. They called him in, they made him resign, and they said he couldn't say why he was leaving. And you're the first one to hear that story. So what is it about safe places? First of all, everyone needs a safe place where they can share anything. What if there was a place safe enough where you could tell the worst about yourself and not be loved any less? There is such a place. It's called Bo's Cafe. And it's the story of what happens when we lay our defenses down get real about our own junk and embrace the fullness of grace in the face of our own secret and pain. Safe 
If safe is just nice and sweet where everybody's smiling at, at you and nobody's ever dealing with nothing, that's not safe. That's a retirement home. A safe place isn't a soft place. Safe is a place where you can get out the worst about you and they won't run off. Wow. Remember that verse, James 5, 16? It says, confess your faults one to another so you may be healed. And you know, it says we're vulnerable and can share the real us in a safe place where we'll get a thousand data points of acceptance. In that space, we will start to realize, I don't want to be this way. And God, maybe he can accept me too. And we change. Did you know that the brain is hardwired to run on joy? All sorts of brain synapses develop in healthy ways that bring joy if we are in places where we belong. That's the research of neuroscientist theologian Dr. Jim Wilder. He said, creating belonging is the best indicator of maturity that there is at any age. When we create belonging around us, we are growing a network of joyful relationships. Our herd is connected and empowered by joy and seeks to invite others to share joy with us. But if you look at different herds, what you're going to find is there's three different response styles. One is being protectors. That's having a joy identity myself. It's this, it's good to be with you. And it's this sense that when I'm listening to God, I hear Jesus say, James, it's good to be with you. I like you. And when we're with the people, in, with our peeps, the people in our crowd, they say, it's good to be with you. And what happens is protectors welcome others and are tender to weakness. But there's two other responses you and I can have. One is that we become a predator. We want to discover the weaknesses of others to exploit exploit them so that I can stay on the top of the hierarchy. It's fear-based. Or another is possums. They've been hurt enough by predators that what they do is they kind of conceal their weakness and hide because they don't want to be hurt again. We can cooperate with how Jesus has designed the brain and run on joy. Okay? Start to feel good about the people in your area. 
start to hear that voice of delight from God. And number three, here's a biggie. You need to learn to be excessively gentle with yourself. You need to learn to be excessively gentle with yourself. I recently was chatting with someone who who had a horrific betrayal out of which they developed a loneliness. Now they're a young adult. And you know what they said? I started to have an aha. I don't really like being with myself either. I'm going to develop a friendship with myself. And this person really did. They started having fun hanging out with themselves. And sure enough, they were on the journey to healing. Love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew 22:39 says. Would you treat your neighbor the way that you treat yourself? If you're worried that others will be disgusted by you, that they will be critical and will not like you or understand you, you are probably doing the same thing to yourself. Is it possible that we can't feel God's love when we don't love ourselves either? And lastly, you need to let Jesus remove the lies. Right? We experience the world is a fallen place. So our dear heart gets cracked open by trauma, by pain. You've heard the world, the devil in the flesh. Have you heard that term? Well, here's what happens. The world cracks us open with pain. The devil plants a little lie into there. And then what do we do? We start working harder because we've got to make things go on our own. Usually that little lie is something to do with God's not very good. He wouldn't let that happen to you if he loved you. And you must not be very lovable for God to let that happen to you. And so we end up living with lies. Remember I told you about that spanking that I got? You know that the lie was, well, it was more than one. As I've prayed it through, here's a couple of things I've realized. First, James, you had a brilliant problem-solving skill. The way you were solving that problem was brilliant. Nothing wrong with it. Number two, authority figures are just human. They're not scary. Who knows what was going on with that person? And I know, by the way, that person was my dad and my teacher and my principal and my minister. 
and he pulled out a piece of leather that he called the policeman. And you know that a year ago when I started seeing the, a trauma counselor, and the very first time I, tr- I shared that story with the trauma counselor, my butt cheek started twitching. She said, is that where you were spanked? And I realized, yeah, that's where I was spanked. I had carried that trauma in my body for 55 years. By the way, my dad is the most amazing man. And he and I reconciled. He was someone who kept changing and growing until the day that he died. And out of it, despite his experience of Hitler and Stalin, um, he is my example, my hero of dealing with emotional, emotional wounds and getting healed. So anyway, here I was, and I was living with this lie that authority figures are scary. And so what I want to say to you is this. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says... Therefore, since we have such a cloud of witnesses, throw off those weights. Those are the lies. And throw off that sin, that self-effort that you use to get through life. And fixing your eyes on Jesus, run with perseverance, the faith, the path that is set out. Before you. So now what? So what? What? Emotional healing is possible. So what? We need four different things. So now what do we do? How about we invite Jesus into our own experience? And what I'd love for you to do is pull out that card. Pull out that piece of paper and the pen. And Jesus, we just want to invite your Holy Spirit to work now in our midst. Lord, if there is any spirit that wants to, negative spirit that wants to impact anyone, We command them to be silent in the name of Jesus and not have anything, any part of this next while. And Lord, let people experience the affection of you, knowing that you delight in them, that the verse that you have for them is Philippians 1.6, being confident that he who began a good work in you will perform it. So Jesus, I'd just like you to pull out your pens and, and, and ask this question. Jesus, is there a wound in my life that is still unhealed? What is the memory or event where I got wounded? Bring it to mind now and write it down. 
Is there a person who wounded me? How did this person, event, offense make me feel? What feelings rose up in my body during that event? Jesus, what is the truth that you want to speak into that memory? to that truth. You know that the word repent is metanoia, so I don't want you to be triggered by the word repent because the word repent means change your mind. It means just let go of the lie and now accept this truth. Accept this truth. And what you do when you do that, you turn back to God and times of refreshing will come, says Acts 3, 19. Times of refreshing will come. I waited patiently for the Lord. He lifted me out of a miry place, and he put my feet on a firm foundation. He is freedom. He is Jesus. All my hope is in him right now. You know, as you're on this healing journey, there's eight things you'll start realizing, and you'll know that it's working. Remember that the kingdom of God, Jesus says, comes like yeast in a dough. And it comes in the flour and over and over. (laughs) It just keeps growing and growing and growing. And you know, that little yeast that was planted today, you can be sure that it too will be growing. And you will be getting more and more healthy. These next eight things from The Connected Life by Justin and Abby Stumvel, podcast number 50. Here's eight things they say. We will know if we are starting to heal. Number one, we'll have more humility. We'll be more open about those things that aren't going well with us. We'll have self-awareness in real time. All of a sudden, this truth 
And that lie, in real time, you're going to notice it. And you're going to choose truth. You're going to have more peace in your ability to accept feedback. Feedback. I remember how Claire would use a certain tone and I'd, oh, she's safe. She's beautiful. But I was being reminded of a voice from my past. And no, I can accept peace. I can ha- have peace and an ability to hear feedback. A regular experience of compassion for myself. And at the same time, a compassion for others, I'm more of a protector and less of a possum or predator. And I see nuance throughout life. The superficial and slipshod have ready answers, but those looking this complex reality square in the eye acquire a delicate balance of things that sometimes seem contradictory. And you're okay with that. You're comfortable expressing vulnerability and receiving love. You're comfortable setting boundaries because part of being gentle with yourself is staying away from those vexed in spirit. And personal growth, emotional healing, has become a lifestyle. You know, really, the secret is staying in touch with the voice of Jesus. It is staying in that affection and getting to know that affection. And if you have trouble with that, you may need to do what I did, which I had to start hanging out with Catholic nuns at a retreat center. And I remember the day I came in and I said, I'm stressed. And Sister Trey said, well, have you talked to God about it? He's not listening. That's not what I asked you, she said. (laughs) You can keep struggling at the oars or wake Jesus in your boat. (laughs) Yeah. You know, all those things out of Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, that he said he was coming, when you look closely at those, all of them have to do with emotional healing. Comfort for those who mourn. Bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And guys, gals, as we live this journey, there is a day coming. Malachi 4, 1 to 3. Yes, it's now and not yet. Not yet. We don't experience this in fullness, but we can count on it. A day is coming when there will be no predators. For them, it will be a black day, but for you, sunrise, the sun of righteousness will dawn on those who honor my name, says God, healing radiating from its wings. And get this. 
and hopefully we start experiencing it now, you will be bursting with energy like colts, frisky and frolicking. God of the angel armies says so. A new energy because of a new love on the inside, a new willingness to tackle what is there by looking under the iceberg, an acceptance of the love and correction in safe communities, being exceedingly gentle with myself, and continually, continually, hey, Jesus, is there a lie in that memory? What's the truth? Because I want to change my mind. I want to experience this energy, this frolicking like cults. Free, wide open spaces in the Christian life. And as we do that in a world that says to every one of us, market yourself, turn yourself into a commodity that you market yourself, it's exhausting. It's literally exhausting. And in that kind of environment, God is saying, Come. I love you. I delight in you. And I came for your emotional healing, your freedom, wide open spaces. Amen. you may experience healing. This past uh, few months, I feel like has been a really hard one. Few months. Hard season for uh, myself and for my family. Uh, And even as we were going through that exercise, uh, so you want to just confess a a lie that I've been uh, believing. Comes along this part of being alone, but uh, I even just wrote down that life is hard and you have to be too. Life is hard, and you have to be too. I think I've experienced hardness in my heart <clears throat> towards God, uh, towards others, uh, even in this protection mode that I have to uh, protect myself, I have to pre- protect my family, that I have to be hard. Um, even just as I'm confessing that, even just in, within God and, and um, yeah, to others, even just this idea of uh, God just saying that you are not alone. That when you are soft, you can be molded. This is truth that I'm trying to believe. So what does that look like in our own lives? I know this is only just the tip of the iceberg of lots, even just within my own life. But uh, as God's moving, as God's speaking, as God's revealing these truths, or even these lies that have been planted in our, in our hearts that have been fractured, what does it look like for us to find healing? For us to find not just acceptance, but us to actually find affection in God. For us actually to feel that we are loved, that we are cared for, that we actually uh, create this softness in, in our life. And I, uh, even just that idea of this, you know, that this safe place is not always a soft space. Right? That there's difficult things, there's hard things that we walk through on our own, but as we walk through together as community. So what does it look like for us to actually find affection, uh, to be a safe space, to find healing? to actually live the life that God has intended us to live because that is a promise that he has given us. Amen? Now, let's pray. God, thank you. 
for who you are. Thank you for your promises. Thank you that you reveal those lies that are inside, and that doesn't mean that they just go away right away. That it takes work, it takes self-awareness, it takes healing. But God, let us be able to trust you in that process to actually lay those things down and say, I don't have to solve all these problems by myself. It actually creates more problems and I'm exhausted and I'm tired and I'm burnt out. And God, let us just lay those things at your feet. Give them to you so we can actually leave that space and open things up that we might actually replace those lies with truth. So God, just speak truth in our lives. Speak truth of who we are based on who you are. Yes, we pray those things in your name. Amen. And if you're, um, yeah, even just as some practical steps as we close, that if you're looking for prayer, uh, that if maybe God revealed some things, you're like, ah, oh, actually, I feel like I need to confess those things to others, and I need prayer, uh, because it helps when we actually have people praying for us and interceding with us uh, and actually letting that off our chest instead of holding it to ourselves, that we have prayer teams uh, at the front. We also have prayer teams midweek. Uh, that we have some inner healing prayer ministry that if you're looking for prayer, uh, you just even more on a, you know, like a more of like a personal setting that sometimes it's scary to come up here, uh, that we have connect cards at the Welcome Center. Please fill those out. Uh, we'd love to connect with you uh, throughout the week. And also, James mentioned counseling. Uh, if you're interested of what does it actually look like of taking those next steps of counseling, uh, we as a staff would love to help you out on that journey and even just give you some suggestions that way. So please reach out. Uh, anyways, blessings. Hope you have a good week.